Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can now read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I don't know. I don't care what your favorite sport is. If you caught any of the action from this weekend's NFL playoff games, you can't help but be a fan. You'd also be hard-pressed to find a weekend in your sport that could compete with this one. If I'm forgetting one, please let me know. Anyway, as I was watching Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford go back and forth in particular, I couldn't help but think of the NBA topic for this episode, which is how life for NBA coaches is not fair and how the way we judge them is flawed. For those who weren't watching or need their memories refreshed, Stafford and the Rams came out and put it on Brady and the Buccaneers right from the start. Brady looked every one of his 44 years short-arming throws, spending too far too much time getting knocked around by one ram or another, and so frustrated his yapping at the refs earned him the first unsportsmanlike conduct penalty of his career. Stafford, meanwhile, was zinging the ball all over the place, helping the Rams to a 20-3 halftime lead. And then it all flipped in the second half. Brady stopped looking like old Brady and was once more the Brady of old, while Stafford looked a lot more like Motor City Matt, the version that appeared to be a decent quarterback but never could deliver when he was needed most. So what changed? Did they do a body switch like in that Nicolas Cage, John Travolta movie, Face Off? No. The difference, simple as this might sound, is that Stafford had time to do his job in the first half and Brady didn't. That's also what changed in the second half. The quarterback who had time to do his job was the quarterback that looked like the better one. And this is not something new. Whether by a scheme or line play, the QB that has time to see his options is generally going to look and perform better than the one who doesn't. The funny thing is, while we might acknowledge that fact, a quarterback who falls short is never absolved from his failure, and the winning quarterback is still lauded as having outperformed his counterpart. 
in most cases at least. Well, the same goes for NBA head coaches. Every now and then, the basketball gods offer a free lesson in how the NBA works and why complaining about a head coach's rotations and substitutions and play calls is the fastest way of saying you don't know anything about the NBA without saying you don't know anything about the NBA. I'm not questioning the fact that you can see a play that doesn't work or you see a rotation that doesn't work, but it's a matter of who you're blaming for that. We so quickly blame the head coach as if he unilaterally makes all these decisions. And the reality is, no head coach does. In any case, the basketball gods gave us an example late last week, a perfect example of how starkly different the dynamics and therefore the judging of one coach can be versus the other. And how we never fully appreciate that difference or take it into account when measuring what they're doing. So for anyone who wasn't paying attention, the basketball gods gave us a window into this very dynamic with some assistance from the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers knocked off the Los Angeles Lakers and Golden State Warriors on back-to-back nights last week, beating the Lakers in regulation and the Warriors in overtime. As everyone knows, Lakers coach Frank Vogel is under siege right now, rumors running rampant that he could be fired any day. Warriors coach Steve Kerr, on the other hand, has no such worries. Yet, they both lost to a Pacers team on their home floor, a Pacers team that hadn't won outside of Indianapolis since Thanksgiving, a Pacers team that was 1-10 in close games. But if we're looking at the two losses clearly, the Warriors was far more egregious. It just didn't play that way, nor did the view of the two coaches afterward. The Lakers have demonstrated, in case anyone's forgotten, that with or without Vogel, who missed a stretch of games in health and safety protocol, that they are capable of losing to anyone and are simply not a very good team. Whereas the Warriors have been one of the best teams in the league for much of this season and are a favorite to win this year's title. But while the Lakers faced as good of a team as the Pacers can put on the floor right now, The Warriors did not. DeMontis Sabonis, who sprained his ankle late in the win over the Lakers, Karis LeVert, and Malcolm Brogdon, three starters, were all out against the Warriors. The post-game story involving the Lakers, though, was about how Vogel didn't play Russell Westbrook the final three minutes and 51 seconds, to which Vogel responded that he played the guys that he thought were going to win the game. And that, naturally grabbed all of the headlines, even though it made sense, seeing as the Lakers' loss had as much to do with them getting killed on the boards as anything else. And Westbrook, who was in a Lakers uniform for his energy as much as anything else, had all of two rebounds, six below his average. And yet, the outrage or question seemed to be why Vogel had the audacity to bench Westbrook not whether or not it was merited. The postgame story for the Warriors? Well, Kerr had no problem making it about him, how he didn't have the team prepared, how he screwed up on the final possession and regulation that allowed the Pacers to tie the game with a three-pointer by Justin Holliday and force overtime. Kerr volunteered all of that. Why? 
because he could. Now, my FS1 colleague, Colin Cowherd, intimated that Vogel did what he did with Russell in response to the front office, namely advisor Kurt Rambis, pushing him to bench Russ. I don't know for a fact through my own sources that that's what prompted the move. Truth be told, Russ didn't stand out as being any less effective than anyone else on the floor. Vogel tried several different players to stop Levert, who went off for 22 in the fourth quarter, and Russ was one of them, but he wasn't any worse than Avery Bradley, Malik Monk, or anybody else. It was the lack of help defense, to be honest with you, that created all the opportunities for Levert. And maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to point out that LeBron did not volunteer for the duty of stopping Levert. I'm not faulting him for that. I'm merely pointing it out for those I've seen suggest LeBron is playing defense as well as he ever has. LeBron scored 30 points against the Pacers, including strolling in for a garbage layup in the final seconds. Maybe as a little jab at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was in attendance and not only whose all-time career scoring record LeBron hopes to eclipse before he's done, but the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that has been critical of LeBron for not carrying himself the way an all-time great should. And I'm pretty sure LeBron hasn't forgotten. And I'm pretty sure he won't. Now, LeBron scored 30, but still had a team-high plus-minus of minus 20. That's pretty amazing. It means that despite his 30, the Pacers still outscored the Lakers by 20 while LeBron was on the court. It points up what I have been suspecting, which is that LeBron may be getting his, but it's not resulting in anybody else getting theirs or doing anything to take away the momentum from the other team. They're not winning numbers. He's basically just piling up points. Now, Kerr's star, one Steph Curry, also put up numbers that allowed him to escape culpability, having, what, 39 and adding eight assists. But he did it shooting 16 threes and making only six and going 12 for 27 overall against a massively depleted Pacers team that isn't very good at full strength. And... No mention was made of Curry going 0 for 4 in overtime and 0 for 3 on threes, at least not that I saw. Or that it was his defensive laps that allowed Holiday to hit that wide open three. The Warriors collectively made one measly shot in overtime, hoisting a total of nine threes, going 1 for 12 overall. Against a Pacers team that had no one bigger than 6'7 O'Shea Brissett on the floor in OT, he of the 0.3 blocks per game average. What I'm getting at is there was no rim protection. And yet, the vast majority of shots the Warriors took came from beyond the three-point arc. And yet, in spite of all of that, between the two losses, only one was viewed as unforgivable and an indictment of the coach. And it wasn't the Warriors' one. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I told you at the start of the season that... One of the big reasons I couldn't see a team of Russ, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Dwight Howard being successfully coached by Frank is because Frank doesn't like confrontation. Now, he's not alone among longtime head coaches, even successful ones, in not having a taste for that. But in this instance, Steve didn't exactly identify where the fault was either. And I say all of this without any judgment. Avoiding confrontation as a head coach might just be the way to remain employed as a head coach, or at least rehirable, which is also why I probably wouldn't last long as one. If someone is messing up and not doing right by me, and I'm supposed to be in charge, first I'm going to talk to them about it. Hopefully I do it at a time when I'm not hot about what they're doing, that I've given myself time to cool off, and my thoughts and tone are more measured. Age has taught me that that's the better way to go. But holding my tongue is not something I'm very good at. And if I feel disrespected, it's as if someone has dialed up a blowtorch on my medulla oblongata. Those of you who have come at me on social media have no idea the responses that cross my mind. I've just learned to keep them to myself until I can see clearly once again that comments by someone who has never met me are mere pieces of fluff blowing in the wind. Aside from being blunt about Russ, Frank attributed the loss to effort, plain and simple. He dressed it up by saying the team didn't gang rebound, but that's a fancy way of saying his team didn't play hard enough. And he's right. They didn't. They haven't pretty much all season. That's not how old stars look to win games. And this is a team loaded with old stars. I don't know how much you put on that, uh, how much of that you put on Frank. But their young players aren't exactly looking to kill it doing the dirty work either. Maybe Austin Reeves. Certainly not Malik Monk. He wants to score. Maybe show off his passing skills now and then. Taylor Horton Tucker? At his best last year, he averaged a rebound every seven minutes on the floor. This year, he's averaging one about every eight minutes. And those are their two youngest rotational players. If they don't have the energy to crash the boards, I'm not sure who does. Russ, as I noted, did have his worst rebounding night of the season with a mere two against the Pacers, including one off the offensive glass. And this is from a guy averaging eight a night. The old line about you can't coach effort is true. Now, I know, fans think a coach MFing guys when they don't play hard is good coaching. The coach storming up and down the sideline, yelling at people is, man, he's really into it. He's coaching. Look, that might work in high school and maybe in college, and I'm not even sure about that, but it certainly doesn't work in the pros. I believe there's a way to tell someone the truth without savaging them as well, and More than anything, I believe telling the truth is essential to being a good coach. Sometimes people need to hear the truth no matter how harsh it may be. If we're looking for a scapegoat, 
for the Lakers' loss to the Pacers, particularly with how they played down the stretch, we might want to start with Carmelo Anthony. Melo created two horrific three-point plays for the Pacers, one by not chasing a bad pass from Reeves into the backcourt, and then fouling Levert when he did catch up with him as he dunked it. He then fouled Levert on another play at the rim and slammed the ball off the stanchion for a technical foul afterward. Although, I do want to say I believe that Carmelo was the help defense in that situation. So, let's not blame him completely. But in any case, Frank could have pointed all that out, and he didn't. And I would say again, because he couldn't. Kerr, on the other hand, placed the blame on himself right off the bat. Said he did a poor job of preparing the team. And when asked about not fouling up three, which allowed the Pacers to tie the game and force overtime with the buzzer beating three by Holiday, there's a lot of different ways he could go. But he took blame for that one too. Even though Curry losing track of Holiday had as much to do with Holiday being wide open as anything else. Kerr outright said this was his night to stink it up. As I said, putting the blame on Vogel's rotations, whether he plays or doesn't play Dwight Howard, is about the stupidest exercise I've seen on social media so far. Because what it doesn't take into account at all, and which has been revealed specifically in recent weeks with the Lakers, with team advisor slash consultant slash husband of the owner's best friend, and that would be Kurt Rambis. He's not the owner's best friend. He's the husband of the owner's best friend. He's been sitting in on coaches' meetings, and I'm sure it's not there just to observe. I assure you that Frank isn't deciding who plays and doesn't play all on his own. Then again, no coach ever does. I can assure you, even Steve Kerr doesn't. He didn't unilaterally decide not to even suit up Clay Thompson or Andre Iguodala the next night against the Rockets after the Pacers' loss. You can be sure he did it after discussing it with Bob Myers. Joe Lacob may have even been in the conversation, the Warriors' owner. Knowing Joe, I'd say is very good possibility. The difference is that Kerr did it knowing that Bob had his back, even if it would have meant a loss, which it nearly did. The storyline coming out of the last second win was simply that Curry won the game on a buzzer beater, the first of his career. Never mind that it was over the worst team in the conference. And what was the storyline coming out of the Lakers' subsequent win over the Magic? It was all about Westbrook overcoming his benching against the Pacers. Nothing about Frank possibly motivating that surge in effort and efficiency by benching him. I'm sure some of you are thinking, okay, but Kerr has a lot more goodwill built up. It's a hell of a lot easier for someone who has three championships to his name with a team and five trips to the finals to say, my bad, than a guy who's only won one. And I suppose it's a fair point. But let's look at their recent history. Vogel is less than two years removed from winning his title. Vogel and the Lakers beat the Warriors in Kerr last year to at least make the playoffs, leaving the Warriors to get beat by the Grizzlies and end up in the lottery. And while Vogel was overseeing that championship run, Kerr was in charge of the worst team in the Western Conference. I'm not blaming Kerr for any of that. In fact, 
they are what they are now because of how he handled the last two years. More committed to introducing Andrew Wiggins and Juan Toscano Anderson and any number of new pieces to the Warrior style of play than simply looking to eke out wins. But let's make no mistake, he was given the license to take that approach. You think Frank has anything like that? If this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and it very much is, I would think that he does or should. Doesn't it seem a bit unfair that Frank is the one waiting any day for the call that he's been relieved of his duties, the one who can't afford to say, my bad, even if he wanted to, simply because of what the expectations were set, because of the roster that was built? Or that Kerr can say it so matter-of-factly without a single concern that it might jeopardize his job in any way. Yes, the Warriors have one of the best records in the league right now, and the Lakers are struggling to stay at 500 and in the playoff picture. Though in a conference loaded with seemingly underachieving teams, they are doing exactly that, staying in the playoff picture. And I've not heard any questions about the job security of, say, Chauncey Billups or any other coach whose team's are not doing that. And while the Blazers might be missing Damian Lillard, the Lakers are missing Anthony Davis. And as bad as it's going for the Lakers, nothing has been lost yet. Their shot at resurrecting the season still very much exists. I'm not pointing out any of this to defend Frank. Well, maybe to a certain extent I am. But my greater purpose is to point out that the playing field is not level for coaches. It never is, and yet we fail to recognize that. The mere fact that Frank is fighting for his job right now and that everybody knows it undermines his authority in the locker room in a big way. It's almost a fait accompli. Just as Kerr not having to worry for a minute about his employment solidifies his. Now think about how you might react or operate if you knew your boss was not in favor with management versus if you knew he wasn't going anywhere. Would you align yourself with the lame duck? You'd basically be telling management they're the ones who don't know what they're doing. You're, you're firing the wrong guy. You'd be implicitly hitching your wagon to his, a wagon that appears to be barreling toward a cliff. And maybe certain players can get away with that, but human nature, for most of us, tilts a little more towards self-preservation. And yet, that's not how I saw the results when the two coaches won in their subsequent games. It shouldn't be overlooked that Westbrook was on the floor down the stretch in that Lakers win over the Magic, contributing two assists, two rebounds, and four points in seven fourth quarter minutes finishing with 18 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists. The last two both team highs. Did Frank get any credit for that? No. Now, Frank is going to get fired because, well, eventually every coach does. And once the rumors begin flying that a coach is on the hot seat, it generally does not cool off. The second a front office doesn't nip that in the bud, the players know. So good luck inspiring them to play harder when they've already been given an alibi. Yet, it's not the way we like our sports. We want it a little simpler than that. We want to credit the hero, and we want to blame somebody when 
our team doesn't perform the way we expect it to perform. The actual success of a team is a lot more nuanced than that. And I imagine most of you know that. Yet, we can't resist. The simple narratives take a life of their own when it comes to who is in charge and whether or not they're doing their job on any given night. That goes for quarterbacks as well as coaches. And those narratives wind up carrying the day, more so today than ever before, because the noise from fans and pundits is what prompts owners to believe they have to make a change or go in another direction. If they don't, then suddenly they're being blamed as not caring enough about winning or being concerned that they might have to pay more than one coach at the same time, that it's all about their pocketbook. And in some cases that may be true, but let's not have any illusions about when a coach is fired or an action is taken and it's misguided. More often than not, it doesn't offer a solution. In fact, it makes the situation worse. All right. That does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I'm thinking about talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo and some things that he's done recently that I believe point up why other stars in the league don't appreciate or recognize his stardom to the level that they should. And that goes for former players who are now in the media as well, who just don't quite know how to relate or identify with him. And I believe that's a big reason why he's not getting his just due. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.